Gratitude produces peace of mind in the three o'clock position. Peace of mind allows wise choices. Wise choices lead to positive outcomes. Mm. Gratitude is what breaks the spiral and allows us to get out of the sucking vortex down and get into this virtuous cycle up when we're mm. grateful for things. So that's when that's what led me to really become much more intentional in the practice of gratitude. Welcome to the Lucas Grobot Show, where we uncover purpose, relentlessly pursue truth, and own the future. I'm your host, Lucas Grobot, and today we are joined by Kevin Monroe. Now, when I found Kevin's podcast, Kevin Monroe has a podcast, um, which is about to go through a rebrand, which I think we'll probably be talking about on the show, probably by the time you actually hear this podcast, this episode, his podcast will be fully rebranded into this extraordinary life. And for the first time that I found his podcast, where he talks about purpose, where he talks about meaning, where he talks about being a change maker, and that's something that we talk about here on the show all the time. What does it mean to be a change maker? Not just what does it mean, but how do we actually go and effectuate change in the world around us, in our spheres of influence. And I found Kevin's podcast and I was like, oh my goodness, it's my doppelganger. It is, he <laughs> is talking about the same things. He's doing interviews, he's doing solo shows, just like we're doing here. And I was like, I I have to, I have to sit down and talk with Kevin. So I emailed him. He's like, let's be on each, each other's shows. And so, Kevin, thank you so much for being here on the show today. I'm I'm so excited for this conversation. Oh, Lucas, thank you for having me. And, and I've got to stop. Thank you for watching, listening, whatever it is that however you're joining Lucas and me for this episode. I want to thank you and welcome you into the conversation. I'm so excited about what's going to happen now. And then a little later today, Lucas is joining me and we're, we're exchanging chairs and he's coming on as a guest to my show. And I'm equally excited about that. But before we get into before we get into um, gratitude, because you are so big on gratitude, and I actually want to hear, and you do this in, in your podcast, you talk about what are you grateful for today. Before we get into that, I would like to talk a little bit uh, and hear from you of who you are, what you do, a little bit of your background, where you're coming from, and then I would definitely want to hear about what you are thankful for today. Okay. Wow. So, Lucas, the way I often introduce myself is, say, through the years, I've held a lot of titles, you know, some more impressive than others. But the titles that mean most to me right now in life are husband, mm. father, mm. papa, friend. Um, we, we have a granddaughter who turns five in just a few days. And, you know, so family really is important to me and and relationships uh, gosh, almost, I guess it was 18 years ago, I heard this phrase in a, a conference. Relationships are primary. All else is derivative. Mm. And that's just guided my, it, it guided my life before then. I just never knew how to say it quite as articulate as that uh, Barbara Sable from the Kellogg Foundation put it that day. And so I work as a coach and a consultant uh, and a speaker. And, and I started my business 15 years ago now, uh, and I think if I were to track versions, I'm on version 5.0 of business. I had started version 4.0 last year, and then COVID-19 hit and happened, and so we just 
went to 5.0, which I think is something a lot of people have done, are, are making shifts in in life and business. So I work around, with, with corporate leaders, I work around areas of purpose, culture, and leadership mm. uh, with a specific focus on servant leadership. I've done a lot of work around servant leadership through the years, putting the, the needs, growth, and development of the people led ahead of those leading. Mm. I, lo- I, love the, I love the term service servant leadership i love the the ideas the ideals that that come along with servant leadership and and i really love what you what you said about family and about relationship and so i'm going to actually come back to that in a moment because i have some questions that i want to ask you about that about being connected and connectivity and how purpose is really found in those relationships everything boils down to people i love I love how you you speak to that. But before, what I also really love about your podcast and about your show is how you start every episode off talking about what you are grateful for, talking about what you're grateful for today. And so since since you are here on, on my show, I wanted to ask you and kind of play your own card back on you. What are you thankful and grateful for today? Wow. Thanks for asking that. And I do. I I started that some year and a half ago on the show and just start every episode. First off, because I believe gratitude is the gateway to abundance. And Mm. I want to live a life of of abundance and invite others to do the same. And I lived with a lot of scarcity through life as growing up. You know, there there just wasn't enough of everything and thinking that. uh, But now I realize, wow. We can grow the pie. There's plenty for me and you too. It's not like if if Lucas gets something, I've lost something. No, it's this abundance mentality. So what am I grateful for today? First off, I'm grateful for technology that allows you and me and other parts of the world to connect. I'm grateful for the technology that allowed you to reach out to me, to find me. And somehow, like you said, we, we find a doppelganger Um what, six, eight time zones removed, Mm -hmm. which we would have never met apart from technology that that allows that. And because this is a podcast, I'm also going to say, Lucas, I truly am. I am grateful for the medium of podcasting. And when I discovered that podcasting is a vehicle for community and relationships, I had a guest on the show not that long ago, Sean Askinosi, founder of Askinosi Chocolate. Um, and, and he said in their business, it's not about the chocolate, it's about the chocolate. And I, that was a bit of this, you know, hmm. conundrum for me. And I didn't really understand that until I heard him on someone else's podcast. And he was talking to that host and he said, it's not about the podcast. It's about the podcast. And all of a sudden it all connected for me because it's it, – it, what we're doing right now, it is about the podcast in one regard. And you have, like I do, a commitment to technical prof- uh, professionalism and excellence and standards of excellence, wanting to to hone the craft and be as high quality as we can be. So that's about the podcast. But but it's not about the podcast. It's about connection. It's about relationship. It's about getting to know one another. And you and I talking about, well, what can we do 
beyond the podcast? And what does the podcast make possible? And so if you would have told me when I started this podcast, this, this is my second podcast, but when I started this, if you would have told me that we would have had communities of people around the world connecting with people in their local community because they both listen to the podcast, I would have said, you're crazy. Mm. I don't even know how that can happen. And yet it's happening and, and building communities out of podcasts. So I'm grateful for podcasting and what it invites and allows in the world. Long answer to your question. It, it is, but it's, a, <laughs> you're right. Podcasting, it's, it's an amazing medium. And what I find, what I love about listening to podcasts and being a podcaster is, is that there's, it feels like there's no space between me and and the listener. There's no space between, I don't even want to use the word audience because I don't, right. I don't feel like I'm talking to a, a sea of people or a mass of people. I feel like I'm, I'm talking to the one person who has their earphones in, who is driving in the car by themselves or washing the dishes. I'm talking to that individual, or I feel like I am let in on this intimate conversation. And I, I love that about this medium. I mean, it, yeah. it, it's very similar to radio in that it's, it's just audio over the airwaves, but there's, there's something different. I feel like radio even is something that it's more of a public um, yeah. form, a public medium where you would listen to it with other people. But when I'm listening to a podcast, it is my wife walks in the room, my kids walk in the room, and I'll put pause on. Like I'll hit pause. And it's not because I, I don't want them to listen to what I'm listening to, but it's almost like it's this personal connection. And that's one thing I love about it. And it, in even noting how you're saying that from it, you see community building and community forming and this relational aspect. And I think that is something that's very special about the medium is that it it fosters relationship and connection. It fosters um, a, a deeper dialogue and understanding, whereas, you know, in the Twitter world, it seems like everything is – it's these little explosions of, of uh, diversion or division – or bickering back and forth, but on a on a podcast, it's like you have the time, the space, the ability to go deep and articulate something that um, that is meaningful to you and to the listener. Oh, Lucas! I, I, so this is just one more reason why I love you, love being on this show. Is is this this commonality that we share there? So here's the way I say it, and then I'll I'll illustrate with two stories, but. Yes, this this intimate medium. I think of it, and I invite my guests to think of this, and this is why I started a few moments ago when you were welcoming, welcoming you, the listener. Mm. Not you, not, you know, the sea of humanity that's listening, but talking to the person that's listening, because we do, we listen one at a time. Podcasting is perhaps one of the most intimate mediums for reasons you mentioned. People are... Now, some people are listening through integrated stereo, but there was a time when almost everyone was listening with some kind of headphones or earbuds. And as podcasters, we were the voice in their head. Mm. You know, there, there, was, there, there was this intimacy. And let me illustrate this. Last September, I mentioned meeting Jane Adshead Grant in London. I was in London speaking at a conference, and then we hosted an event 
in tandem to the conference. But I, as the conference was beginning, I'm standing at the registration desk talking to Taya, whom I had met because she had found the podcast. I was invited to speak at the conference because of the podcast. I actually hosted a series of podcast conversations with uh, guest speakers at the conference that they used as a buildup to the conference. And then in the conference, I hosted podcast-like conversations because they were tired of talking heads on the podium. So all of that, but I'm standing there at the desk and there's a lady on the other side of the desk coming up to register. Now I live in Atlanta. I'm in London. And all of a sudden this lady looks up and she goes, I know you. I recognize your voice. I listen to your podcast. And I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? What, what's your name? And she says, Nikki, I said, can I give you a hug, Nikki? Cause that's what we do in Atlanta or what, what we used to do before COVID. And I reach over and give her a hug. We've had multiple conversations since then, you know, via Twitter. I mean, via LinkedIn or email, but Lucas, isn't that amazing? I mean, there was that kind of intimacy. And I will tell you, there was a breakthrough for that for me. Because right before then, I, I'd had a big birthday. I'd turned 60 last year. And, I, you know, I, there are all these voices in your head that say you should be some, you know, I, I actually did an episode on this. You, you, you should have more money in the bank account. As a matter of fact, you should have so much money in the bank account that you have to have a Swiss bank account, you mm. know, and, and all of these, all of these should haves. And I had never really liked my voice. I don't like hearing myself. When I listen to my podcast, I listen at 2x speed, so I don't really realize I'm listening to me. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, there I am in London, England, four or 5,000 miles from home, and this lady says, I recognize your voice. I realized at that moment, at a, okay, so gratitude, go back to this, at at a deeper level of gratitude, I'm grateful for the voice I have because Mm. it is distinctive enough Mm. that I'm standing in a hotel thousands of miles from home and a lady hears me speak and says, I listen to your podcast. Wow. That, wow. that was another evidence that this is a relational medium. Mm. It, <laughs> it is, I, there's a couple things there, but the, the thing that sticks out to me, it's, this might sound like a, an extreme generalization, but so many of us have at some level this this feeling of not being okay or this feeling of of you know self-loathing self-hatred of wanting to look or sound like someone or something different but this this beauty of that our our voice is lovely like our voice is actually a, a pleasing sound even the the most unique voices or strange voices or maybe we don't like our you know i've experienced that too i'm like oh i don't i don't really like parts of my voice but but really in 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 the as human beings we are like fearfully and wonderfully made as human beings we are created and knit together with such value and 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 uh value i don't i don't know the, the the right word but we are valuable just as a, an individual as a human being and that's outside of any accomplishment that's outside of any uh, a level of success or 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 failure it's just the fact that we are human that makes us beautiful and valuable end of story and i think just pulling that out of your story right there I think that's it's, that's profound that even at at your age with your success 
there are still different levels of of acceptance and realizing that you as a as a person are are amazing are valuable so th- there's a point here you listening to us where where are you at in the the struggle of this or the acceptance of this is there some area of life you're struggling and and you're just so much more aware of your imperfections, your flaws, your shortcomings, or to what Lucas said, can you really look in the mirror and recognize you are awesome? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are, you're amazing. Yes, you're not perfect. No, I'm not perfect. But, but it's, so here's something I I do now. I did it just yesterday or the day before. Look in the mirror. Look yourself in the eyes in the mirror and just just have a little conversation with yourself mm. and just say, you know what? Yeah, life may not be exactly as I thought, but life is amazing. And I'm grateful for how I am created, the gifts, talents, and abilities that have been given me. And then just look at yourself and say, you know, you, well, however you speak to yourself. This was something else in that conversation with Laurie Cameron. She has a a name for herself when she's talking to herself out of the self-compassion. She calls herself sweetheart. It's okay, sweetheart. Everybody's had, uh, you know, disappointments in life. Everybody's come up short. It's okay. And it's like, wow. Yeah, I have names for myself as well that I call myself. Not anything that I can say on the air without getting an explicit rating (laughs) for the podcast. No, I mean, oh, think about man. how many times you say things to yourself that you would never Mm-mm. say Mm-mm. to someone else. You may think it, but you'd never say it. And you say those to yourself. So extend some compassion to yourself and just realize you are mm. remarkable. You are amazing. Kevin, Kevin, why do you think why do you think that is? Why do you think that by and large as humans, we are so hard on ourselves like why why am i you know like almost if i'm the listener right now to this podcast and i'm listening just as you pose that that powerful question i'm thinking to myself like oh man he just called my number out i i am very hard on myself and then i can see it come out um against the circumstances in the world around me or on my my boys where I sometimes have such a high expectation on them. And then I see that and I just, I realize like, oh my goodness, like face palm. And, and then I just become more harder. I just become harder on myself. Why, what is it within us as, as humans that, that costs that from your, from your vantage point? Okay. So, Legal disclaimer, I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist, so none of that. I, you know, I'm intrigued by these things, Lucas. I'm going to answer it two ways, and, and I'm going to answer differently than you ask. The, the, the first reason I think it is, is because there is a multi-billion dollar campaign waged against us being okay with who we are. Mm. And it's called Madison Avenue and advertising and marketing because... If, if you're okay with who you are, guess what? You're not spending money on. All of those things 
propped up to make you feel more okay than you felt before you went out and bought those things. Mm. Right. So all of this there, I mean, this is where the scarcity mentality comes in. Um, is that you, you, you just aren't good enough. You'll never be good enough. But if you buy this, if you wear this, if you use this, you know, like I was watching something, a commercial just yesterday and saw, you know, how to get rid of wrinkles and, and stuff. And because we believe we, we just think aging is a bad thing in our world today. Yet aging is part of the natural process. So all of these things. Right. And how many billions of dollars are spent. So here's the other way I say it. And I don't know, I don't know what the amount of dollars are around or, or currency around the world that will be traded on the securities exchanges of the world, right? You know what securities exchanges are. Yeah. I believe some multiple of that is traded every year on the insecurities exchange. Mm. Everything we do by spend to address our deep-seated feeling of not being enough. That's what I call the insecurities exchange. Mm. Let me go buy something. Let me go take a course. Let me go get a piece of paper from somebody that says, oh, now you are good enough to do this. And then all of a sudden, then you realize, oh, wait a minute, there's an advanced course in this? I'm not good enough until I get the advanced course. And then there's another advanced <laughs> course. So this is how the world is oh, propped man. up today. <laughs> it's And Dr. Seuss wrote about this. I mean, you don't, you know, I like your disclaimer that you're not a, you know, a social psychologist, therapist, but Dr. Seuss wrote about this. I don't think he, maybe he was, I don't know, but uh, stars upon stars, uh, right? So the, there's the stars, belly sneeches and the non-star belly sneeches. And it's this, this, creating this cognitive dissonance to get people to get the stars on them and then you get the stars off them. And it's this whole cycle of looking for that gatekeeper to essentially give you the stamp to say that you're okay, you're ready enough, you've arrived, you have enough knowledge that you can now begin to go out into the world and and make a difference. Yeah. All right, so E.E. E. Cummings. Now, I am not a, I am not a big um consumer of poetry, but I, I read some, and this is one I've committed to memory, but just a line. To be nobody but yourself in a world that's doing its best night and day to make you everybody else is the hardest battle we ever fight and never stop fighting. Wow. E. Can you say that again and just a little slower? Yeah. Say that one more time so we can let it sink in. Yeah. To be nobody but yourself in a world that is doing its best night and day to make you everybody else mm. is the hardest battle we ever fight and never stop fighting. Man. You know, so we've, we have these ideas of, Oh, gosh, if I could be more like and fill in the blank, whoever that is in your sphere of influence, you know, in, in your in your circles of the, the people you respect and admire and want to be like and whatever that is. And, and I know people that, you know, that, that they study people to be more like them and learn their mannerisms or pick up and maybe and sometimes it's unintentional. But when we realize that you and me trying to, uh, I, I fall short 
anytime I am trying to be anybody else. Mm. But you know what? I really am the most remarkable Kevin Monroe. There is. And so I need to just recognize I don't need to try to be somebody else. What the E.E. Cummings point and what I was talking about, there there are all of these ads, you know, that that just aim at us. I heard Brene Brown didn't say this. She was quoting someone. She said, I had a friend that, that said this to me, that our first thought of the morning is I didn't get enough sleep last night. Mm. Our last thought of the day is I didn't get enough done today. Our days are bookended with scarcity thinking, scarcity mentality. That's how most of us start and stop our days. And then between then, it's just this mad dash trying to be somebody else. So what if you just realize, hey, you know, I'm created to be me, and I have gifts, talents, and abilities that the world needs. And if I can just learn to show up authentically, uniquely as me, it's going to be much better than me trying to be somebody else. So we are a really bad imitation of anybody else. Mm. And when we can find the freedom to be authentically ourselves – And to get comfortable, what you mentioned a moment ago, you know, getting older, getting more comfortable in your own skin. Man, that's that's the journey. Um, Kevin, I love how did we get there? Kevin, (laughs) how did we we get there? Kevin, I love I love what you said just now about about gratitude, abundance, about how so often we, we live in this scarcity mentality, um, just yeah. from the first thought to the last thought of our day to everything in between. And then how you how you said that that gratefulness, gratitude, thankfulness is the door that opens abundance yeah. to us. And I've always said and heard it said that it is it is gratitude and gratefulness that breaks the back of humanism. Right. So humanism in, in this idea that we are self-sufficient, that we need to take care of ourselves, that that everything rises and falls on our shoulder. But the moment and, and even it breaks the back of uh, entitlement, of entitlement of because I did X, Y and Z, I deserve A, B and C. Um, this entitlement that we have that when we step into gratitude, it also breaks this back of of entitlement, it breaks the back of this idea that we deserve something, and also puts us into this place of wow, everything that I have around me is a gift that I, that I don't deserve. That this is a blessing from God on my life. That my family, my health, my 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 job, my relationships, these are all blessings that I. I didn't do anything to deserve. And that frees us. That frees us from this, this striving um, by the sweat of our brow mentality that that plagues so many of us. As my friend Steve Foran puts it in his book, and, and I'd love to introduce you to Steve. He'd be a great guest on your show, Lucas. Um, when I realized that everything in my life is a gift. Mm. My only response is to be grateful. 
when I realize everything in my life is a gift, our response is gratitude. And, and so, yeah, th- this whole idea, um, I, I found maybe three years ago, I stumbled on these two images, loops, um, and I saw them on, uh, you know, found them on internet searches, but one loop called the scarcity loop at the top of it. So there are four points on these circles, if drawing these loops. So there's one that's like at the 12 o'clock, three o'clock, six o'clock, and then nine o'clock on a, if it were a clock face, fear is what the, is where the scarcity loop starts. Fear, fear produces anxiety, anxiety produces poor choices. Poor choices lead to negative outcomes. Mm. That's the scarcity loop. So Juliana Park wrote a book. It took me almost a year and a half to find who was the author of these loops. That was the scarcity loop. She wrote a book called The Abundance Loop. And I asked Juliana, so tell me this, how did you come up on these loops? She said, well, it took me about a year, maybe a little over a year to figure out the the scarcity loop because she was a very successful person, but having negative outcomes in certain areas of life. Why is this? Why am I having these negative outcomes? And she backed through it and she goes, hmm, I'm having negative outcomes because I'm making poor choices. Hmm. Why do I make poor choices? Usually because I'm in some state of anxiety. Why am I anxious about something? Oh, it's out of fear. That's the scarcity loop. I think of the scarcity loop as this sucking vortex that seeks to draw us down, you know, pull us in. Once you get in that, it is a spiral down. She said, then I started thinking, what's what's the opposite? How do I get out? How do I break the scarcity loop? And then she thought of the abundance loop, the abundance loop top at the 12 o'clock position, gratitude. Gratitude produces peace of mind in the three o'clock position. Peace of mind allows wise choices. Wise choices lead to positive outcomes. Mm. Gratitude is what breaks the spiral and allows us to get out of the sucking vortex down and get into this virtuous cycle up when we're Mm. grateful for things. So that's that's what led me to really become much more intentional in the practice of gratitude. And, and when I catch myself and, and, and in our conversation, we we're talking about you, you can't always live in the abundance loop. We spend time back and forth, but, but the idea is to catch yourself when you get drawn into the scarcity loop to recognize it and to interrupt it by gratitude and, and seek to get back into the, 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 the virtuous cycle of gratitude and and abundance. So for me, when I catch myself complaining about a project, you know, you signed on a client, there's extra work or there's an add-on or or things just aren't working out and you find yourself a bit begrudging the situation. Oh man, I'm in the scarcity loop right now. So then I stop and I, I go, I'm grateful for the opportunity to serve this client. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be a, a, a beacon of light, uh, a voice of purpose and positivity to people who are, are surrounded in seas of negativity in certain company environments. And then all of a sudden we have the opportunity to show up and to speak purpose and positivity and people go, wow, that was a message of hope and I'm inspired. You know, all of these things that happens when we get into the abundance loop. We don't inspire people when we're living in the scarcity loop. I, I, 
I love that, and especially I love how how it seems to intersect with um, themes and topics that both you and I talk about, which is uh, how to how to live a life full of purpose. How to and we've touched on it already in this conversation, um, both in, in a positive and a negative sense on identity, right? So, you know, I find right now, especially with everything that's happening um, in global culture today, it seems like we are hyper-focused on identity, on on this question of who am I? And it's a question that we haven't really had to ask until, you know, back 150 years, the who am I, what am I going to do, and am I going to make it? These are new, relatively new questions um, in society. Um, But this idea that we're questioning identity, who am I, and then purpose, what is my, my purpose? You you talk about this on your on your episode on your on your podcast, and then you talk about how from identity and purpose we then can go on to effectuate change. You say to be a, a difference maker, to be a, a change maker in the environment around you. But going back to an earlier point that you made as well, in the beginning of this this idea of being in a relationship, and um, Malcolm Gladwell he talks about this in his book. Um, I think it's a 10,000 hour rule and how there are different things that we need as individuals to become successful. And it's not just putting in 10,000 hours at a craft and being successful, but that, that, that expertise has to be grafted in to a network has to be grafted in to having these other relationships that then make your craft, your purpose, your work, your identity actually be meaningful not only to you in, in an idea of of uh, quote unquote success, but also to be able to make an impact in the world around you. So that's kind of a, a thought slash question. But I, I was just wondering if you could unpack some of those ideas on isolation, on identity and purpose, mm-hmm. on and culture and leadership. Wow. Okay. Where to start? Um, since we're on video, you may have seen me looking away. I was trying to see if I could find this diagram real quick. There's a diagram um, that, that contrasts, and I referenced this in, in a podcast um, maybe late last year. But but we, we, we all, let's admit, I, I hope you can agree, you listening, you look, I know you, Lucas agrees. We all have a longing for belonging. Mm-hmm. We want to fit in. We want to be accepted. Yeah. We want to be loved. That, that we just have this longing for belonging. What most of us, uh, there, there's this, I would call it the cycle of belonging. Uh, Dr. Emil Bruner is the one who, who I saw first create these. So you think of four, a four box quadrant. And again, another clock face. And, and then in that last face is um, achievement. And what most of us think is that achievement allows us to experience significance. Significance allows us to have identity uh, and, and so acceptance and, and then, uh, yeah, acceptance. And then acceptance allows us to feel identity. So, Dr. Emil Bruner. So at the top, so we have actually achievement allows us to have success. Success allows us to have acceptance and acceptance <laughs> has, allows us to have identity. Yeah. Dr. Emil 
Bruner goes, eh, wrong, reverse the circle. It starts with our identity. Mm. You, you said this earlier. You are fearfully and wonderfully made as you were born. You, you were created. I have another friend who says she was sitting in her office one day in Washington, D.C., looked up and saw a city bus you know, one of the metro buses pass. And on the back, how they have big signs on transit buses was a, a sign from a bank. You were born pre-approved. Mm. <laughs> I love that. You were born awesome. pre-approved. Right. So that was a bank putting that message out there. What trying to say, hey, we're going to approve you for your loan. But think about that message in life. So if, if you get in that, then your identity is already established. Your identity allows you to have this level of acceptance. I am enough. That allows you to find significance and to go on and to produce achievements. If our identity is tied to our achievement, our identity is always up for grabs. Mm -hmm. Right? The moment you stop achieving, and, and you see this, you see this in some world-class athletes, and especially Olympic athletes, who reach the pinnacle of success at a very early age in life, and then ask themselves, well, gosh, is there, can I ever best this moment? And what happens when the world record I just set is crushed by somebody else four years from now in the next Olympics? And I'm no longer the world Olympic record holder, right? All of these things. So if, if, if our identity is grounded in our achievement, our identity is always up for sale to the highest bidder. But if our achievement, on the other hand, comes out of the freedom from our identity. So, and then uh, three words, and I was writing this in my journal earlier this morning, Lucas, just kind of reflecting on this. Years ago, I, I had the privilege of being in a year-long mentorship program with Chuck Colson. Mm. Chuck Colson, mm. uh, interesting fellow. I won't go into his backstory, but Chuck Colson actually had the opportunity to meet and get to know Mother Teresa, which I think is pretty cool. Mother Teresa. And at one time, I remember Chuck saying Mother Teresa gave him this plaque that sat on his desk and it had three words on it, just three words. Faithfulness, not success. Mm. We are out of time for the first hour segment with Kevin Monroe, but roll over to the second hour where we continue this conversation. I love hearing from you. I love talking to you. So please, if you have any questions or just reaching out saying hi that you listen, I would love to hear from you. You can WhatsApp me at plus one two zero two nine two two zero two two zero or find me on LinkedIn or Instagram. I love hearing from you, and I would love to engage in conversation with you. Also, my book, Anchored, The Discipline to Stop Drifting. I wrote this in a time of my life where all of my metrics stopped working. My algorithm of how I thought life was supposed to work was broken. So I began to look at 
and study principles, ideas, uh, uh, values to, to live my life by, to break that mentality of busy, 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 do, do, do. And those ideas manifested in this manifesto, this 100-page short, 100-page highly actionable, story-driven, principle, idea-driven book called Anchored the Discipline to Stop Drifting. Please, if you are in a place where you feel like you're listing, drifting, can't seem to get traction in life, feeling stuck, this book will help you. That is all for this hour. Roll over to the second hour. Remember, I'm Lucas Scrobot. You, you are a change maker. Go out and own the future. <laughs>